This is an audio presentation of God First Church, Cheltenham, England. A community of Jesus followers, worshipping God first, proclaiming God first, and together living God first lives. For more information, visit our website at godfirst.org.uk. Ronda Valley in Wales, which is um, a really poor area that's in, in Tony Pandy, um, the town itself called uh, Hope Church. Um, you sh- a lot of us will know about them because uh, th- this, this is one of the churches we've been praying for. If you're over together night, this is one of the churches we pray for, um, and, and we partner with them a lot. The last time I was here, I think, I was trying to work it out, it was February 2017. I think so. So since I was 28 then, now I'm 30, that's terrifying. We've gone from one child to two. Uh, and, and also, there's been all sorts of just good news stories going on in the life of the church. So if you'll allow me to indulge myself for a few minutes, I just want to tell you a little bit about um, some of the things that have been going on. If you re- can remember that far back, um, in February 2017, we just um, bought and renovated a shop on our high street where we started meeting, um, and it's been the biggest blessing to us. Um, and we've just seen God um, reaching all sorts of people through what we're doing. So I thought I'd show you some photos of some people and tell you some stories. Um, that's my wife, Lois, on the right. Um, and then these three ladies, um, Gaynor on the left, Jenna in the middle, and Shelley um, also in the middle. Um, and uh, Jenna came to our church um, about February 2017, and um, she came with, at the time, her boyfriend's mum. Her boyfriend's mum was a Christian, not going to church anywhere. And she said, well, I'll come with you to church just until you get settled. I've got no interest in Jesus at all. Um, but once you get settled, I can like, have my Sunday afternoons back and you'll be going to church and that'll be great. And so she comes to our meeting um, for the first time. And in that meeting, someone comes to the front with a word um, from, uh, about Thomas from the book of John. And there's this little phrase in there where Jesus says to Thomas something along the lines of, stop not believing and start believing. And Jenna would tell you that um, in that moment, she just felt the power of the Holy Spirit all over her body, and she knew that this was Jesus speaking to her. And so the next day, uh, on a Monday evening, she told me that she just went to her room, in in the quiet of her room, uh, and she gave her life to the Lord, which was awesome. And then, yeah, you can celebrate that. Um, So within about a month of um, Jenna coming to faith and coming to church, she brought her her younger sister, Shelley, um, to to church as well. Shelley then um, gave her life to the Lord, and then um, Gaynor, their mum, also started coming and gave her life to the Lord. So June last year, about 12 months ago, we baptised this family together, um, and it's been amazing seeing Jesus changing them. Jenna has this incredible gift of evangelism. No one's taught her how to do evangelism. Nobody's taught her to do evangelism. She's just passionate about Jesus. So she's always bringing people to church. Which leads me on to the next um, picture. Uh, this is a guy called Sean. Sean uh, is, uh, is massive. <laughs> Sean, Sean is massive. 
Sean, uh, his, pa his partner's name is Lauren. Lauren is one of Jenna's best mates. So Jenna gets saved and starts telling her mates about Jesus. And Lauren and Sean come to church, and they both encounter Jesus Christ. Um, and so I didn't realize how big Sean was until he took off his hoodie and stepped in the baptistry. And me and Simon looked at each other and said, flip, you know. <laughs> how on earth are we going to do this? Um, but, but Sean is a Rhonda boy. He's, he's born and bred in the Rhonda Valley. He, he'd never heard of Jesus before. On the day he got baptized, um, I was talking to his mum, his um, and his mum said, when, when Sean said he was going to be a Christian, we all mocked him and took the mick. She said, but I can see that something's changed inside him. Isn't that cool? So, um, so that's some of the stories um, that we've been seeing. We've seen all sorts of um, other things happening, healings, um, people just coming out uh, into freedom from generational witchcraft and all sorts of stuff. Um, the next picture is an important one as well, I think. So um, this, this also, all this stuff was going on, but I think one of the, the, the most important and powerful and exciting things that's happened in the last 12 months is that in February, uh, myself and this guy Simon, um, who looks about 12, um, I only look about 14, but we got, we got prayed in as elders or pastors um, in the church. It, it was a great moment for us. It really feels like the end of the church planting phase of church planting. I think now we're, um, we feel like a church. We've got leadership. We've got a building. We've got finances. We've got faith. We're maturing. We're seeing people saved. And um, God has been unbelievably gracious to us. Um, and, and I just want to say thank you for praying and thank you for standing with us and cheering us on. Um, because we can't do it on our own, right? And I'm sure that you guys have got all sorts of stories you could tell too of what's happening here, and I'd love to hear some of them, but right now I get to talk to you, so you have to hear my stories. But it's good to be doing it together for the glory of Jesus, right? So that's the last 12 months. We've seen all sorts of wonderful things going on. Hey, just the other week, I have to tell you this, this lady in church, she's in her 70s, she just goes to me, she said, Ben, I've been struggling with anxiety for 50 years, no one told me Jesus is the answer. Isn't that awesome? I was like, praise God for that, I didn't even know. It's powerful. God's been really good to us, he's also been challenging us to take three big steps of faith with our future. So alongside all that has been happening, um, we've got three big faith goals for the next few years. One is to start a, um, a kingdom business on our high street in Tonopandi. Tonopandi was rated the worst retail center in Wales and the third worst in the country in about February, which sucks. And it breaks our hearts. And we said, well, what, do we wanna, what can we do to respond to this as the church? And we just had this sense like no big organization, national retailer is going to move in because there's no profit to be had. No individual is going to have the money to take the risk to start something. We said the, the church is uniquely placed to try and do something for the economic growth of Tonopandi. So we're believing through the power of the Spirit, through the motivation of the gospel, and through the following the sacrifice of Jesus, we might be able to be good news in Tonopandi in that way, which feels huge. Um, the other things that are going on, um, many of you will know, we've been dreaming for a while about seeing congregations planted up and down the Rhonda Valley. And we feel like God is saying to us, like, now is the time to do that. And so we agreed um, at the end of last year that me and Lois are going to lead a new congregation in a place called Triorki. It's about five miles up the valley. We've just um, bought a new house. We got the keys a couple of weeks ago. It is absolutely terrifying, <laughs> honestly. Um, but, but, there is so much need in this area for, for the gospel of Jesus. And we just know we can't keep this thing to ourselves. We need to 
go and go again. And so I'd love you to pray for that. Final thing um, that's caught us all a bit by surprise is that there's a place in the valley next to ours, the Avon Valley, a little town called Blind Gwynvy. You won't be able to spell it. You probably can't say it. Uh, B-L-A-E-N-G-W-Y-N-F-I, Blind Gwynvy. It's a tiny little isolated community in the Welsh Valleys, um, and we just feel like the Lord has put it on our radar. And, and with the message trust, we're going to try and um, send a team of missionaries into that town or village um, to start reaching people for Jesus with the view that maybe one day um, God will be kind enough to help us see a church started there too. So there's lots going on. God is at work. He's building his church. There's lots to celebrate. And yet in the last 12 months, me and Lois and our family have been through some of the hardest seasons of our lives and certainly of our ministry. Um, And so We're going to spend some time today in Psalm 46. These are really famous verses. You've probably heard them many times before. This is what it says. I'll just read it. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the waters tremble at its swelling question I want to throw at you today is this. Where do you run in the midst of your troubles? Where do you run in the midst of your troubles? There's one thing I can be confident about in a room full of some friends, some acquaintances, some strangers, that every single one of our lives is not just defined by happiness, but also by trouble, right? One of the Possibly the least discouraging thing that came out of the mouth of Jesus was in, I think it's John 6, isn't it? 16, John 16, verse 33. He says, in this world, you will have trouble. How disappointing, right? But it's true, right? One minute, life is like a summer's day on a still ocean. You're sat, enjoying, maybe you're sunbathing, maybe you're um, catching fish, drinking beer, all is well, right? And then the next moment, life feels like what we've read in that scripture, that the heart of the sea is roaring and foaming. The waves are crashing down, the wind is billowing, and we don't know whether we're going to survive. That's life for every one of us, right? Doesn't matter whether you're from Cheltenham, or from Wales, or Chicago, or from Wellington. Doesn't matter whether you're a Christian or not yet a Christian, whether you're rich, whether you're poor, whether you're black, whether you're white. It doesn't matter, life is full of trouble, right? That's been some of our experience over the last six to nine months. Um, Last June, Lois gave birth to our son, Caleb. He's the fattest, happiest 11-month-old you'll ever meet. (laughs) And by the time September came, life was feeling like really good, like family life was super blessed, church life, we've got all sorts of stories to tell. We started dreaming about this new community, like everything was going well. We had a, um, a guy running our business for us so that, we, um, so that Lois could be a mum, and everything felt pretty good. And then one, di- one day, this guy um, decided he was going to leave our business, that he was going to um, take our main client with him, that they were going to start working together and then try and steal um, our staff and then go and badmouth us to all our other clients. And our world fell apart. Lois was three months, four months. She'd been um, off for with... Um, Caleb and her business was dumped back in her hands in a moment. In this world, you will have trouble. 
And if that wasn't enough, um, the same week we lost a, um, a trustee in, um, in the church and a ministry leader in the church to some family problems. They stepped down immediately. Why are my pages stuck together? Um, I work in, in my dad's business as well. And so my dad's business had this funny wobble, uh, which turned out to be nothing, but it, it threw us a little bit. The same week, we had two drunks fighting outside of our church building. They decided to smash the windows in, which was pretty frustrating. Um, uh, the same week, um, our youngest boy got sick, and our oldest boy started having nightmares that the Gruffalo was out to get him in the middle of the night. <laughs> right? It can happen. And then to top it all off, on the Monday, uh, the, I think it was the Monday morning, I remember it vividly, I get this phone call when I'm in work from my wife who says, Ben, I need you to come home. Um, Caleb and Evan are in the back of the camper van and so are the keys. And we went, no. <laughs> and um, we had to get the fire service out to break them out, which if you're a two-year-old, you know, Feynman Sam and all that stuff, he was like the happiest boy in the world, but you can imagine my wife was not so, <laughs> not so happy. What a week, right? And I don't say that for a pity party or for you to get your violins out or for you to come and give me a hug at the end of the message. I say it because that's life, isn't it? For every single one of us, that's life. Like sometimes it's going really well and then all of a sudden things happen and life just becomes full of trouble and trial. And the question for us is this, where do you run when trouble comes? Where do you run when trouble comes. All I want us to do today is to, to encourage us and to exhort us to run to God in our times of trouble. I'm going to give you three reasons to run to God. You'll see them so clearly in the text. Because God's a shelter, because God's a strength, and because you will know God's help. But before we get to that, I just want to settle something with you. If you're in Christ today, you are not alone in your troubles. Do you believe that? Just let's have a look at this passage together. This is so important to us. Just have a look at, with me at the, very, at the third word. God is our. This psalm, many of the psalms were written to God, right, in worship. This psalm wasn't written to God. This psalm was written by one person, to the choir director, I guess so that the choir could sing this psalm to the people of God. And the reason they were telling one another this stuff, just have a look what it says. This is the, par this is the paraphrase. This is making it really simple for our simple minds. This is what the psalm is all about. One Christian saying to another Christian, God is very present in trouble. Isn't that good news? I wish I could like get every single one of you to come to the front and just like grab you by the shoulders and look you in the eyes and just say today, God is with you in your trouble. Right? Because I think often that's not how we feel. You know, David in Psalm 22, he cried out, didn't he? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Like, where have you gone, God, in the midst of my challenges and in the midst of my troubles? He said, why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? You know this? Jesus was forsaken so that we don't have to be forsaken by God. Isn't that cool? That whatever we're going through day by day, no matter how hard it gets or how crushing it feels, God is with you because Jesus was forsaken so that you don't have to be. 
Jesus said to me at the end of Matthew 28, I will be with you to the end of the age. And in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5, God says, uh, it's quoted in this, in this passage he said, of God, that he will never leave you or forsake you. I wish I could just, like, smash that truth into the depths of your heart because I know that when trouble comes and challenge comes and some of you are in the midst of it even today and you're questioning, is God with you? I want to tell you, Jesus died so that God can be with you. That's one of the great privileges of the gospel, right? Not just that we go to heaven and we be with the Lord one day, but actually that through the power of the Spirit that the God of the universe comes and dwells inside of us so that we can know that God is with us every single day. And if you're here and you're not yet a follower of Jesus, I want to tell you that's the greatest privilege you could have in your life. Like, yes, there's in the gospel that the fact that Jesus died and rose again, you get this golden ticket to go to heaven and then paradise for all eternity, and it's glorious. But don't miss out on the fact that the God of the gospel, he wants to be with you even today. Even today. And here's the great thing. When you get God and when you run, when you run to him, this is what you get. Three things. Number one, you get a shelter in the storm. The psalmist says, doesn't he, God is our refuge. I love that. I love that. That word refuge, it means shelter or safe place or place of rest. In the scriptures, um, there's all sorts of images to describe God as a refuge, right? So in some places, described as a fortress, in other places, he's described as a strong tower or like a shield. Or one that I love is um, Jesus uses this analogy of being like a, a hen that uses his wings to cover over his chicks. Do you love the compassion in that? Like, fortress is big and strong, but, but we all want a God who's loving enough to, like, stretch his arms around us and shelter us. Another um, image is of, of a cloud that covers a scorching sun. The picture that comes to my mind when I think about this, this God being a refuge, um, there's this mountain in North Wales called Carnath Llewellyn. Not one to pronounce with a mouthful of pasta, right? <laughs> Carnath Llewellyn. And um, last winter, I, I walked, climbed this mountain with my, my um, mountain dog. We went up um, in the snow and um, crampons and ice axe up this ridge. And the dog got stuck halfway up the ridge, which was very awkward. But eventually, we managed to get to the top. And as I, as I walked towards the top of this mountain, all of a sudden I became really aware that the wind was beginning to gather and the clouds were like beginning to gather around and the wind was picking up. And I knew that at the top of this mountain, I needed to take a bearing um, on my compass in order to get back down. And as I'm going towards the summit, I'm thinking, if this cloud comes in and the wind picks up, I don't know how easy it's going to be to take this bearing and get back to safety. And as I walked to the top of this summit, to my, to my great relief, I discovered that um, a whole bunch of people in the past, presumably, had, had built with stones a semicircle about three or four feet high just to tuck in under as a shelter on the top of this mountain. And it, in that moment, I was just able to tuck in with the dog out of the wind. The elements kept on coming. The, re, the, the wind was still coming up over the top of this summit. And yet I had a place where I could shelter and rest and feel secure. And that's what God is to us. He's a refuge. It's not that the storm stops, that externals keep on raging, but they can't touch you in the same way and that impact is diminished when you shelter yourself in God. 
Now, that can be a nice thought, right? It's like, oh, yeah, God is a refuge. You, you get it on Christian bookmarks and that kind of thing, don't you? Right? It's a nice thought. But how does that actually work? How does God actually shelter us? Well, I think what I've been discovering in this season that we've been living through is that he does it through his spirit and through his word. So in Philippians chapter 4, verse 7, what a wonderful truth this is. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. There is a supernatural peace that can come through God through the Spirit. Isn't that good news for our troubled lives? No, I've got an analytical personality type. That means that when there's a problem, my brain starts going at 100 miles an hour, trying to, like, trying to work out every scenario and try and fix every scenario even before it's happened. You know when our business was literally on the cusp of like going under and we were going to make seven people unemployed and leave ourselves in financial ruin? My brain was going a thousand miles an hour. Like I, I was thinking about it all, all of the time, every single night. Praise God that there is a peace that goes beyond our understanding, right? That even when we know we're in trouble, even when we know that like everything is falling down around us, that the Spirit of God can give us peace. What a shelter to us. A supernatural shelter. But beyond that, I've also discovered over the last few months that leaning into God and the gospel in the word of God really shelters our souls. Let me tell you two ways that the word of God has sheltered my soul in this season. Firstly this. I've been sheltered by the fact that God is sovereign. You know, there's been some moments where me and Lois have been really angry about some of the stuff that's been going on and some of the injustice that we feel. And, and I guess there's been a lot of fear too about some of the consequences financially for our family and our church and all sorts of things. And God, time after time after time, just was reminding me through his words, he is in control. Isn't that cool? God is in control. Even when life feels out of control, God is in control. Amen? And he has the, the power to deliver you from all of your troubles. Right? That means whatever you're going through right now, that God knows and he can sort out. Now, he might not sort it out, but isn't it good news? Doesn't it bring us great shelter and peace to our souls that God can sort it out? Right? We are secure and we are sheltered in the sovereignty of God. But that's not all. The gospel also brings hope. And hope is a great shelter for our souls. I watched them um, in the middle of this season, like a couple of months ago, I was in the middle of these trials. I, was, I watched on social media this um, little video. The, the, the title of it, which was a little bit ironic at the time, was this. It was... Um, Next time you complain about your job, think about this. And the video was of a bunch of trawler fishermen on a boat in the middle of a storm in the North Sea. And you've literally never seen anything like it. Like the waves are going like this and crashing in time after time after time. And I guess it got me thinking. It got me thinking that it's a completely different thing to be caught up in a storm knowing you're going to reach dry land than it is to be caught up in a storm 
fearing for your life. Do you see that? That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. Right? That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. That whatever waves, whatever troubles, whatever challenges and storms are thrown at us in this life, one day, because Jesus died and rose again, we will go to a pleasant place and a peaceful shore. Right? That means whatever you're going through now, it's going to end. God is going to bring us safely to the peaceful shore of his new creation. The promise of the gospel is a stormless sea, a pain-free world where strife and conflict and financial problems and addictions and work stress and health problems and all the sinful muck are gone. Isn't that a great refuge for our souls? Doesn't that bring peace and shelter to us today? I've lent on those true truths so hard in the last six or eight months. God is sovereign and there's a hope for a peaceful shore. Praise God. He is our refuge, a shelter in the storm. Number two, when they say run to Jesus, he will give you strength when you're weak. See that second part of the verse? I know I'm not being very clever. It's just there, isn't it? God is strength. (laughs) Now, one of the things I've learned in this season is that God gives supernatural strength to his people. um, There's nothing that makes you feel quite as weak as trouble and difficulty in your life, right? There was a time where every single day we just felt out of our depth and overwhelmed for like a month. And I remember there was one evening where um, me and Lois were working late into the night. It must have been about 11.30. Um, we're both on our laptops, sat on the couch, just like going for it. With a five-month-old baby, sleep-deprived, it wasn't healthy at all, right? But we had to do it. And all of a sudden, this thing hit me. I'd, I'd, I'd realised, it was a Thursday night, I'd realised that since the Monday mornings at 6 o'clock, I'd literally been going at it flat out, like 6 till 11 or midnight, every day for four days. And I was like, man. And what hit me in that moment was I realised God was strengthening me. God was strengthening me. There's this great verse. It's become a, a real... Um, a verse I've been taking everywhere with me and telling everybody about, tucked away at the end of Colossians chapter 1, verse 29, um, Paul says this about his ministry. He says, is it on there? Yeah, super. I labour for this. For this is the maturing of Christians. I labour for the maturing of Christians, striving with his strength that he powerfully works in me. And I realised that that's what I was living in. Life can sometimes feel like labour and striving, right? Hard flipping work. And yet, as we work hard and we toil and we pour ourselves out in a world full of pain and trouble, God strengthens and powerfully works in us. Isn't that cool? He strengthens us. And he does it in all sorts of ways. Through other believers, through prayer and worship, through the gift of tongues. And I think for me, most importantly, through his word. And it's been so amazing. There was one moment, I think it was a Saturday morning, I'd gone out early for, for something or a meeting or something. And um, I came home to the house about 10 o'clock and Lois came, came to me and she said, Ben, she said this morning, I didn't even want to get out of bed 
because of the pressure that I was feeling. And husbands in the room know, like, that just makes your heart sink to a place where it doesn't normally go. Like, you're like, all your alarm bells start ringing, and you're like, this is good, not good. And then she said, but as I was lying in bed, the Lord said, read Psalm 37. She said, I, I'd never read it before, at least I didn't, I, never, I didn't recollect it in any way. And she said, Ben, God could not have put his finger on a more appropriate piece of scripture for the way I was feeling today. She said, it's strengthened me and it's given me the courage to keep on fighting. Isn't that cool? God is our strength. He strengthens us in our time of need. It's not theory. It's the reality of living with the God of the universe on our sides. Number three, quickly. Finally, run to Jesus and you will get help from on high. What does the verse say? God is our refuge and strength, a helper who is always found in times of trouble. Isn't this encouraging to us? Not only does God draw alongside us in our times of trouble, but actually God goes before us and helps us. Isn't that cool? God is not just cheering us on from the sideline, he's in the game, right? And this book, the Bible, is really just the story of God intervening to help humanity, right? Through the gospel, yes, Jesus came and died and rose again so that our sinfulness could be defeated and we could know God again. But actually when you read it, actually you see all over it, God helping humanity in very, very tangible ways. He's a very present help in times of trouble. And I've had to do some repenting here. Because as much as I like the idea of God being a helper, what I've discovered in this season is actually I quite like helping myself. Anybody else feel like that? Right? Right? It's terrifying. And there was this, this period in the middle of January where we were in, in this like, train wreck of a situation at work. And every time I opened the scriptures, literally every time I opened the scriptures, wherever I went, the Lord just kept telling me, Ben, wait. Don't try and fix it, just wait. And I said to the Lord, I said, but Lord, I'm a man and somewhere deep inside me is this desire to want to fix my problems. And he said, no, Ben, you've got to wait. And every time we would get text messages encouraging us, different people would just say, just keep on waiting and keep on waiting. And, and all it did was expose in me this deep-rooted sin of self-dependence. Right? And it was terrifying. It was terrifying. It's been a hard lesson to learn. And it's been a scary place to be. And it's taken all my faith and my courage to trust that God is a helper in the middle of the storm. We don't just have to help ourselves. And as I've lent into that, it's not been the case that all of our problems have gone away, but somehow as we've lent in on God being our helper, we see him helping us in all sorts of ways. Like, I don't know what happened in Cheltenham, but I can tell you in Tonopandi in January, every single person got sick as a dog with the flu. No, it didn't touch our family. God was helping us, right? He's been protecting us. He's been leading us on. God is our helper. So God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in times of trouble. Isn't that glorious news?
Isn't that good for us? And here's the thing, right? It's all by grace. You cannot earn, you cannot earn the privilege of being able to say like the psalmist, God is my refuge and my strength and my helper in times of trouble. You cannot earn it and you don't deserve it. This verse is dripping with the grace of God. That God through the gospel would die and Jesus died and rose again, taking our sin on himself so that we could enter back into a relationship with the God of the universe and so that not only could we go to heaven, but we can say today as God's redeemed people, God is my refuge and my strength and my ever-present help in times of trouble. This is one of the great privileges of the gospel of Jesus Christ, right? We're not on our own. We're not on our own. So why does this matter to us? Well, my guess is if your church is anything like my church, that some of you here are worn out with worry. Some of you are sick with anxiety. Some of you are exhausted by trying to fix your problems day by day. Some of you are full of fear because of the troubles you find yourself in. Some of you are running around like headless chickens, just trying to keep on top of your lives. Some of you are probably disillusioned because you've run to friends or family or therapists or pastors. And guess what? People let us down, right? And what, we, what happens when we do that is all we find is that there's nobody in this world that can fix the brokenness of our lives, Right? Some of us are doing all we can to run away from the problems of our lives. That could look like all sorts of things. Some people are running to alcohol. Some of you might be running to drugs. Some of you look down on the people that are running to alcohol and are running to drugs, but you're just running headfirst into a career to try and drown out the noise of your problems. Right? Some of us have simply given up running. We know that we just can't cope. Some of us have buried our heads in the sand and the chaos is just going crazy around us. Right? It's getting worse and worse. Some of our lives are full of depression. Some of our lives are full of anxiety. Some of us are even thinking about suicide. We just can't face the troubles and the trials anymore. Wherever you find yourself, I want to say today, run to Jesus. Run to the God who is a refuge and a strength and an ever-present help in times of trouble. Right? Some of people here maybe have never come to Jesus. You've looked at, maybe you've never even considered Jesus before. You've never thought about the God of the Bible. I want to invite you today. Not, don't just come to Jesus so that you get to heaven. Come to Jesus and experience what it feels like to have a refuge and a peace and to find strength when you're weak and to know help that comes from outside of yourself, from from heaven itself, right? That's the invitation that God is holding out to every single one of us today. Sins forgiven, knowing God, destined for heaven, but experiencing a life with God the Father as our refuge and strength and ever-present help today. Honestly, that's too good to be true, right? It's an offer that's not worth turning down. 
Some of us need today to run back to God. That's what repentance is, right? Some of us have just been running in all sorts of other directions. That's what we call idolatry. It might not be that we've been worshipping other things, but it might be that we've been going to other things for our for our comfort or our refuge or our strength or our help. Not only is that dumb, but it leads to disappointment, right? When we run to other places. Only God has the power to be the shelter, the strength, and the help that we need. And so I want to encourage you today, throw yourselves on the rock of ages. Throw yourselves on the rock of ages. Don't leave here without coming back to God, without running to Jesus and finding in him everything that you need. One final application. I felt as I was preparing this message, for some of us, we've heard these verses quoted thousands of times before. They're the kind of verses that end up on really cheesy pictures on Facebook with bunny rabbits and rainbows, right? Is that true? I think it is. Right? I've just felt for some of us, it's not about knowing these verses up here. We need to ask the Holy Spirit to actually bring to us the reality of these truths into our hearts today. And so for every single one of us, I want to encourage us today to run to Jesus. Run to Jesus in times of trouble. And here's the thing, right? Sometimes these sorts of messages, they feel quite pastoral, and we want to be a church that's on mission to reach people in Cheltenham for the glory of Jesus, right? And we think, well, how are those two things connected? Do you know what? There's, I can guarantee this. It's true for Tonopandius, it's true for Cheltenham. There are thousands and thousands of people in Cheltenham today looking for peace and refuge, looking for strength where they're weak, and grappling around trying to find help. When we, the church start to get hold of this and enjoy it and live in it. You know your mates in work and your mates at the pub and your friends that you meet at the school gate and all that stuff? They're going to be like, I want what you've got. Your life is full of trouble, but you've got peace. Your life is full of brokenness, but somehow you're still strong. Your life is falling apart, but you trust this God to be your helper. I need some of that. This is missional stuff. And so as we end, we're going to come to communion. I feel like we just need a moment to do business with God, to come back to him, to repent, to turn away from wherever we've been running, to run to Jesus and throw ourselves on him and say, God, we need you as our, our, our refuge and strength and ever-present help. And I just can't think of a better time to do that than, than through taking this meal. We're reminded through this meal that Jesus Christ's body was broken so that we could come into this kind of relationship with Jesus. And his blood was poured out to start a new covenant, a new agreement. This is the new agreement, right? God forever starting now, right? And so we can come to this. We need to do business with the Lord. We need to come back to him, confess our self-dependence, confess our troubles and and where where they've led us. But as we come to this meal, we can do so knowing that, that Jesus, through his death and resurrection, has won an incredible, privileged reality for our lives. And so if you're here and you're a follower of Jesus, I want to invite you to come and take um, this meal with faith in your hearts and celebration of what Jesus has done for us. Um, if you're here and you're not a follower of Jesus yet, then maybe this meal is not for you. 
This is us expressing our faith in remembering what Jesus has won for us. And if, Je- if your faith is not yet in Jesus, then this is probably just a, a meaningless ritual without faith. But if you're here today for the first time and you're saying, actually, this kind of God is the kind of God I need. I want to come running to this God for the first time. I want to come running to Jesus for the forgiveness of my sins, for a future in paradise forever, and to know this God as a refuge and strength and ever-present help. Then, as somebody who's not yet a believer, I want to invite you to come and put your faith in Jesus and come and take of this meal with us and celebrate what God has done. For more information, visit our website at godfirst.org.uk.